severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello and welcome to episode 113 of Just Get a Real Job podcast. I'm of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and we have another brilliant episode in store for you tonight or today i always say tonight because i record this the night before i'm also losing track of what episode number we're on those podcasts that have like 600 episodes i don't know i do no idea how they keep track um as soon as we went over the 100 mark i'm like i have no idea where we're at but yeah it's great to do so many episodes it's, it's amazing but we have another excellent guest in store for you today and joining us on the podcast this week is the wonderfully talented BAFTA award-winning documentary filmmaker Hannah Curry who we have of course had on the podcast before about 18 months ago maybe longer I think it was last January so yeah coming up two years actually wow time flies but it was a joy to have Hannah back on the podcast again and this time we got to record in person and Hannah brought her beautiful dog Kelly along to the recording and as you'll hear in this episode Kelly is very involved she does some uh, noises she makes she enjoyed eating a little tub of peanut butter on the couch but she brought great vibes and it was lovely to have her part of the episode I said to Hannah when we recorded this that we're a dog friendly podcast so Kelly was very welcome to be on the podcast as well so it's really we're joined this week by Hannah and Kelly actually but Hannah obviously as I plugged in the intros of last week's episode has just got a new film out with Screen Scotland called Working Differently which came out last Saturday and it is basically a film that celebrates and explores neurodivergent talent in the film and television industry particularly. It's a really important piece. It was an absolute joy, as I said, in last week's intro to be a part of this film and to share my experience of being dyslexic and dyspraxic and just to contribute to this conversation around neurodivergence in the workplace, particularly in this industry. Obviously, there's still a lot of work to do for a lot of companies in this creative industries in general around things like access for disability or making the workplace sort of more diverse and equal and giving everyone a fair chance, not just with disability or neurodivergence, but with things like diversity, mental health. There's so much more we can do as an industry and there's so much we can improve on. And Hannah's a great champion of finding new ways of working and improving on these issues. So it was great to have her back on and to chat about that. We also spoke about her other new documentary, which is called Not Your Average Family, which is also on the BBC iPlayer, BBC Scotland channel. So there's a link to that in the show notes. Obviously, as always, we spoke about Hannah's career as a filmmaker, what she's learned since she was last on the podcast, her advice for other filmmakers, etc. It's a really good conversation. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. And I hope you, yeah, hope you enjoy episode 113 of Just Get A Real Job with BAFTA award-winning filmmaker Hannah Curry. Thank you for coming back on the podcast and for coming around tonight. It's lovely to see you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah. Me and Kelly. Yeah, the, we've got a dog in the room today, which I think is a podcast first. I don't think we'd had it. We'd had dogs on the other end of Zooms before in the background, but I don't think we'd had like a dog in the room. So Yeah, that's I'm what excited I about bringing her and showing her off because she's like the best behaved <laughs> dog ever. And normally, like when I'm in an edit or whatever, she's just lying there totally 
so still she could be dead. And now she's decided to like moan at us randomly from that. I think she's just excited to be in a, a new place. So. <laughs> she seems really chill on the couch, isn't she? Yeah, she's the weird noises she's making are just her being dramatic. She's not in a any kind <laughs> of pain, can assure you. Yeah. Well obviously you were in the podcast before, like I think that we recorded it like twenty <laughs> slapping the dog. <laughs> she wants to speak. <laughs> I think we recorded just before Christmas in 2021 because it was that weird time where COVID kicked up again briefly. Yeah, oh god, I mean it's all merged into one that time. Yeah, yeah it was it was fun, but we obviously did it over Zoom. And yeah. We, yeah. I think it was like just a week before Christmas and I was like, I'm going to isolate so I could see my family. Yeah, I don't know what to do about Kelly. <laughs> yeah, no, so you were, you were on the podcast like, came out January 2022. I keep forgetting it's 2023 to be honest. It's yeah. like time sort of been, the last three years have been very strange, but. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> What? Do you have any peanut butter? I do actually, yeah. yeah. I actually have a jar that's like pretty much nearly done, so you can just have it. You can just give me that. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving the dog peanut butter. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, the, the years have all massively, I can't believe it's 2023 either, yeah. but I just try and, I think if I think about it too much, panic sets in <laughs> how much I'm hurtling through life so I just kind of pretend it's not happening and yeah. But you've been very busy over the last two years obviously I mean we'll get into both documentaries um, shortly but like it's been a, a, what, a busy two years nearly yeah, since you last spoke. it's been super busy. Yeah I've been doing a series for BBC Scotland which took longer than anticipated which I guess just can happen and uh, the gentle knocking in the background is Kelly eating peanut butter now distraction things <laughs> uh, yeah because that that project took longer ended up going on a bit of a break so i was kind of like okay i need to take on another project because there's there's not enough mm. work essentially and that's when i took on the second project that you've been involved in as well yeah. um so and then of course in like classic style they both kicked off massively at the same time it was like i thought there was <laughs> one was just going to sort of like gently overlap the other mm. but you know things moved Never around delayed. and suddenly it was like both of these are in are shooting and finishing in the edit at the same time. I mean, need to be two places at once, but yeah, it's really good now. Actually, I feel like I finally kind of got into my groove with filmmaking, where I know what my limits are. I know that I can, I still know I can get this done in the time, but like I need this, this, and this in place to be able to kind of do it. And I've got better at asking for that stuff, and it's made my life much easier. Before I would have just gone into like blind panic and sort of seen it as some sort of personal feeling that. If yeah. somebody was asking me for something at a particular point, I, you know, whereas now I'm like, yeah, I can do that for you, but, you know, it's going to be on this day or it's going to be, yeah. it's going to require this. And it's made my working life a lot, a lot more manageable for me. I think it's a lot quite nice though when you're, I think it's an important part of it is being able to have, you know, to ask for things and, and be able to say what makes your life easier as well as a yeah. creative person. I mean, it sounds like a really simple thing but amazingly I didn't think that I could kind of ask for, for, for that or sort of sort of thought that, that would somehow reflect badly on me but then yeah. you know as as we've just seen in the work and definitely film I did I think a lot of people think that way and probably particularly in the creative industries because they're very competitive and you kind of yeah. have this vibe of like oh I'm so lucky to be here I should just shut up and put up <laughs> with it and do whatever yeah and then the more you kind of feel your way through it the more you see oh actually like just because you know this person's an authority doesn't necessarily yeah. mean they have the best way of working or just because I've seen it done in this way so often mm. doesn't mean that that's how it works for me. So yeah, 
I, uh, I try to, to be a wee bit like more balanced and fairer on myself. Yeah, it's not easy though in this industry, as you say. And before I start getting to sort of reintroduce yourself and just quickly recap on what you're doing, who you are, etc. since you're last on, just for any new potential listeners. I also realised as well that I've now been in, technically I've been in two of your documentaries because I was in talent for like a, a one second cameo. But obviously, since we last spoke, you know, I, I, I was like, obviously got to be part of working differently, like, which is sort of, we kind of, we did like, we, this came up on the podcast before, because I, I did like, we do a thing every year where I get interviewed by a former guest, and mm-hmm. part of the journey I've been on the last year was doing that documentary, and just re, it just made me reevaluate my own relationship with my, you know, dyspraxia and dyslexia, my own neurodivergence, etc. I mean, we can talk about this more when we get into the documentary, mm-hmm. obviously, but I just, you know, it's it's been a really interesting journey. So it's like lovely to have you back on to sort of unpack that further as well. And then this week's episode was also Kate Hammer that was on the podcast. And, you know, me and Kate also spoke about the documentary a bit more and from her perspective. So it's, you know, this is the third time the documentary Amazing. sort of is it out that making one? waves. Yeah, it just came out this oh, week. Oh, I so. need to listen. No, yeah, she was brilliant. Yeah, no, it is weird you've been in two of my documentaries. It's not <laughs> deliberate or creepy or anything. Um, but... Yeah, I think that's kind of the nice thing about about this industry as well is that you cross mm. paths with people and you kind of like pick up good energy and stuff and then it, you know, in, in, yeah. in that way, that's how we kind of all get on and, and yeah, kind of like that's the part of, I suppose, this job that I really love is getting to meet really interesting people who, you know, have their own, like you had me on this podcast, my friend this morning sent me, she'd like written about one of the documentaries in her column, she's got a newspaper yeah. column. And I was like, God, I'm so lucky to know all these people. But it's like p- part of the kind of the draw of it, I suppose, mm, is like you're you're always sure. surrounded by people who kind of like have a little bit of something about them, you know. And yeah, and I mean, I guess that's what, what documentaries are all about. It's just finding interest in people and meeting interest in people. So yeah, so yeah no, it's cool. Um, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. No, for, for sure. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. But do you just want to quickly recap like mm-hmm. a bit about what you do, who you are, just for any new listeners that we have hopefully picked up in the last 40 or so episodes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm a documentary filmmaker, so producer, director, and I do shoot as well quite badly but <laughs> I try my best and yeah I'm really interested in telling I suppose it's, it's always kind of stories that mean something to me or or that I care about things to hopefully make the world a more understanding place I think I get quite disturbed by sort of certain views mm. I see out there or or the fact that oh my gosh they've got this so wrong but if only the if only they could see or if only they could talk to this person, they would understand better, you know, whether that's that's about gender equality or whether it's about inequality of money and poverty or, or whatever. It's just kind of my way of trying to make sense of the world and then hopefully help other people come to a better understanding because that's what documentaries have always done for me, yeah. you know, like seeing something and being like, oh my gosh, I really didn't know that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that and I'm going to tell some people about that. Or So, yeah, I've tried to sort of dabble in other kind of forms of directing but I, I think this is what I'm really passionate about and where this sort of way for me to keep sane while doing this job yeah. is to really really care about it otherwise you know if it's kind of more commercially or yeah maybe less kind of ethical <laughs> shall we say then I find it really hard to kind of like believe it and be behind it in the same way so yeah that's what I do when I can and I've been really fortunate the last couple of years to be full-time in that but I've but I do know that it's like a bit of a, a famine or a feast in, in documentary, well, just in filmmaking and commissioning in general. To get funding is, is can be tough and can take some time, so I do kind of pick up like smaller little 
jobs yeah. here and there, like mentoring or teaching or like Mental Health Foundation. I sometimes work for that charity, helping them kind of promote their film festival. So yeah. you know, it's so interesting the amount of people we'd had on this podcast that I, you know, that I mean, I would like. I think you're a successful documentary filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a BAFTA as well, obviously. <laughs> you mean you just put, had something that's on BBC Scotland, like yeah. so. You know, it's it's what a lot of people give me feedback on this podcast. They're quite amazed that like. Like you interview people that you know on the surface you're like they might they'd made it like they're a big mm. deal and you know even people like yourself that are still having to occasionally pick up other types of work as well and yeah. I think that's it's so good that you 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 know you're quite open about that on this because I think it's yeah. important that people realise that about this industry I mean because we had um, Ross from Fatherson on for the hundredth episode obviously you know quite a, a well known mm. Scottish band and he was the, he was he worked on Screw Doing Coffee like on the first series yeah. during COVID to make a bit of money and stuff and yeah. you know that's how I met him on the second series that so I, I think it's lovely that people like you know you and and Ross is a good example of like that you know you, you, it's never guaranteed that you're always going to be working all the time you might always have yeah. to pick up the odd other yeah, job totally I think it's I think it's important to just be open to that and to not sort of see that again as any sort of you know personal failing of any sort like for me I've always really not wanted to exclusively just work in mm. the industry because I think that's when you can get a little bit like industry head over kind of like humanity head where yeah. you're you're just thinking as part of that machine and you're whereas like at, you know the really interesting people that you meet are like you know serving somebody in a coffee shop yeah, yeah, and getting yeah. talking to them or bumping into somebody on the bus or whatever and it's like if you don't still kind of partake in that like everyday life then I think that you can miss a lot of like really really good stories ideas just conversations that spark something and I've always had I've always had friends who are musicians or writers or and they've always been you know working like in a few jobs so it's never been something that's felt like a massive you know big deal to me I like doing it I really do but yeah don't get me wrong it would be fantastic if the industry was set up a wee bit better because you know I'm also really really fortunate and and my family's always been quite supportive of me following this path and you know there's definitely been times where I've been a bit like okay I think I need to and they're like you know you can do it you can like we can you know like Mm. they've helped me you know like I see behavior happening all the time and I really try and stand up against it where you know and I'll not name any names but yeah people are are being left without work at really short notice or they were having work pulled that they already got confirmed or you know, commissions are green lit and then they're they're crewed up and then they're mm. ungreen lit. Like, you know, it's such bad it's such a bad way to treat people and it's really massively overlooks the fact that like every time you do that you're losing really good people from the industry because that's just yeah. not sustainable for most people. Hundred percent or so even if you really like, want to diversify yeah. the industry, you know, you, you you can't be like that because people have to pay their bills. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I I do try, like, while I'm happy to sort of do other things, I do think that, you know, there's there's a lot of, yeah, yeah kind of issues and there are people paying themselves massive salaries while other people yeah. who are kind of really talented and working a lot are, are kind of left to scrabble around in the dirt a wee bit, so it's, it's tough, I think. No, for sure, and there's just also, like, expecting people that, they, you know, a lot of people live off dailies as well and yeah. are getting told, like, the night before. I know that sometimes that because people are sick and things like that, that yeah. can happen, but sometimes the way that even that's done can be quite, like... Yeah, I mean... A bit. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, on working differently, I met a couple of people, like, like one person was an AD and, and they were not in, in the film in any large capacity, but they were really sick on set and then they, and I was like, you should go home, and he was like, oh, I can't really take a day because if I take a day, like, you know, yeah. and I just thought, wow, it's like, it's crazy, like, how people feel they need to do that, and, and interestingly, when I was making Talent, which was the one hour doc I did for BBC, 
last year. You know, one of the, the actors in, in that who's in Scott's Squad, like he was sort of saying how, you know, a lot of people will sort of see him as an actor that's made it because he's in a regular returning series and he's always in it. But he's like, we do like five filming days a year, like the rest of the yeah. year. You know, unless you're doing that regularly across the piece, it's, it's super hard to, no, for to get sure. your break. But yeah, I think also the people that really love it will find a way to do it in some capacity. Yeah. And even if that means picking up other stuff. 100%. But um, I think it's definitely good to talk about. I don't really know where to start on all these, because you've been, again, so busy. I mean, what, yeah. what project would you like to talk about first? Oh. I don't know. You Let's can decide. talk about the, the working differently ones. Yeah. Sure. So I mean, work working differently is like a really interesting one, and I've, and I've been lucky to watch it. Um, on the time of recording, I know it's not like out yet, but when this comes out, it will be available, etc. Mm -hmm. But that was like a really lovely documentary to be part of because you like obviously like there was a researcher that got in touch to, to you know to ask me some questions to see if I'd be suitable for the documentary, etc. And like it was from that moment that for me I was like oh my god like I've never thought about like, this thing in my past etc like I don't know just the way that you think about disability and neurodivergence like the biggest takeaway from it was that I was sort of masking my dyspraxia because I was always like well, I'm I always say I'm dyslexic because everyone knows what that means and I know this is what we spoke about in the documentary as well but whereas you know dyspraxia is like you know I kind of will tell people it but I just never I don't really talk about it that much so yeah. since then I've been like talking about it a lot more and stuff yeah. or I'm catching myself getting frustrated about things I'm like that's because of that. Mm. So it's been really interesting. But I'll let you sort of talk about what the documentary is about and yeah. sort of wider picture, yeah. etc. Yeah, well, it's, it's a short film commissioned by Screen Scotland about neurodivergence, specifically in the film and television industry. But I do mm. think it's got a much wider appeal because I think something that really became apparent when we were making was this was like how little... Well, one, I knew, I thought I knew a lot, but I really didn't the more people I spoke to. And how little, really, in general, people know about it. You know, a lot of people yeah. didn't know what the word meant. It's a fairly, you know, kind of new, newish terminology, I suppose. And it's great that things are moving on, that we are talking about these things. But, yeah, until this point, like yourself, a lot of people kind of in the film hadn't actually spoken about it. And, and we had, you know, the researcher who was... Because we interviewed loads and loads of people to potentially appear in the film we got a great response to the call out and she said a lot of people were like kind of getting emotional in that initial research call just mm. out of the blue because they actually hadn't really talked about it at length you know and, and they weren't even particularly probing questions we were, we were asking it was sort of around you know the experience in the workplace and but yeah it was it was incredible and I think it's another one of those things I was really I got asked to be involved by Blaze and Griffin who were producing it along with the Portal Arts who are a charity based in Govan to kind of support people into the creative arts, which is amazing, and, and, and Screen Scotland, the education department, and I kind of, yeah, jumped at the chance because really interesting to, to I think, first and foremost, to consider the opportunity to sort of put something out to the industry to say, actually, there is more than one way of working, yeah. because that's something that, although I don't have a neurodivergent diagnosis, I have always kind of struggled with anxiety and that in that film I've been told many times like this isn't mm. for you because if you have you know not that I've ever had a you know a meltdown at work or anything but I, I've had meltdowns caused by work <laughs> I've not let people see them yeah. but I've had some really horrible kind of like times and actually I only think kind of through getting older doing a lot of work in myself kind of realised that 
one year big issue was that I kind of wasn't asking really for what I, I really needed but two that I was really trying to fit a mould that I just simply don't fit into and yes. people were expecting me to fit that mould almost like well this director works in this way so we need you yeah. to do this we need you to have this done in the next four hours and then we need you to look and I was like getting really overwhelmed and kind of being like oh god oh god and thinking oh I can't do this job and it's just not the case at all like I absolutely can do the job and funnily enough I think lockdown and the kind of flexibility of that allowed me to find another way to work and I've also been really fortunate that my films have kind of been well received enough that I seem to get a lot of trust so people are kind of like if I say oh, I need this they're kind of like okay have it you know or like okay like take that time and do it and and I haven't sort of let them down yet yeah. whereas I think if I have continued to go down the path of really trying to work in a way that I wasn't compatible with my brain then I probably would have had another breakdown by now <laughs> let's just say so I was really interested in getting involved from that point of view because there was seemed to be a lot of crossover there because I for neurodivergent people there's anxiety mm. can very much come hand in hand with that um, and depression because of kind of those experiences and the feelings of inadequacy that you might have especially you know from school when there's very much like this is how we do it and there's kids that are good at that and then there's kids that are shit at that and that means you're good or shit basically, yeah, basically you know? yeah, it's horrible <laughs> it's horrible so and and then also i've been i've randomly kind of been my interest had been peaked by neurodivergence because because several people asked me if i had adhd just randomly like they they you know my neighbor was adhd and assumed that i was and and then somebody else asked and then a third person asked and i was like I don't think so, but I'm not sure kind of thing. So mm. I started reading about it anyway and just being really interested in and while I didn't again I don't have a diagnosis now, I wasn't sure if it was me that it was describing, but I did kind of get me thinking that, well, you know, maybe on some scale, like my, yeah. my brain works a bit differently and actually maybe that's that explains a lot about why this kind of anxiety which seems to come from nowhere is just like perpetually you know mm. a part of my life and actually even just kind of having that understanding made me think oh like and also speaking to lots of people who'd felt this way I suppose really helped me to like accept myself and my way of working better mm. and I've been a lot happier since I didn't work so which is very nice personally. that you've got <laughs> something out of that as well yeah, yeah oh, there's so much in that documentary that's but you know one of the things watching it like last week which I really like I think I like the most was just the colourfulness of it because mm -hmm. it felt like that's kind of what neurodivergent is and it was quite positive about it as well mm -hmm. like the people you know there's some quite sad moments in it where mm -hmm. people get emotional and they talk about sort of traumatic things but it was a celebration of it and it's like almost a toolkit for employers to watch and go this is what we need to do better yeah. and what we need to learn from you know the, from the people <laughs> yeah I mean from like I'm trying I've totally blanked the word from lived experience. like the sort of ableist world almost do you know what I mean where oh, like, totally. the ab ableist, ableist world, world I should say yeah, yeah. You know, because just like that is the way that you know most employers. It's not the malicious thing, even. It's just they don't ha they don't think about it. Don't have the knowledge because yeah. if you don't. I, I think a, a big. Uh, I think one of the biggest problems in the world, to be honest, is this sort of like idea that experience stops with your own experience. So like whatever your experience is, you just automatically kind of assume that everyone's on the same page as you. Yeah. And I think like the sooner people get to grips with the fact that there are many different experiences, there are many different pasts, there are many different, you know, divergencies and more ways than one differences. 
and that everyone's coming to that with their own kind of then then you might actually just sort of think outside the box and be like well hold on a minute maybe maybe I get it this way because so, so often mm. like you know you see it and, and work you either or in school even you have teachers that are really great who kind of get it and see yeah. people for people and then you have peop- other people that are just really rigid and I think that rigidity is kind of like I think the empire is falling kind of thing but I think yeah I definitely everybody in the team wanted it to be a celebration of because yeah like I mean the team are the, the, the team are almost all neurodivergent and they were sort of like really excited and buzzed by sort of things that they'd seen from America or whatever and the fact that NASA's like 80% neurodivergent or something it's like they're like you know these are brilliant brains like potentially like if allowed to be like you know like if given the right set of circumstances or you can just have people that are like you know imagine all the brilliant brains out there that have been so destroyed by the way they've been treated that they (laughs) just don't ever get the chance to fly so I really wanted to show that and I kind of wanted to like people to not know who in the film (laughs) Kelly is like really going at the yeah at least we know what it is, and at least yeah. it's not. I'm highly. quite enjoying. It. I'm not ignoring you, by the way. I just keep. I, I like quite like just watching dogs. Just like I you know. It's quite sure. sofa. I don't like peanut butter. It'll be um, alright. Okay, we'll wipe. We'll wipe it down after. <laughs> um. So yeah, everybody was super keen to like to to show that because yeah, we didn't want it to be something like super worthy or or something like we you know yeah. our industry is most likely although the stats aren't there because the kind of diagnosis aren't necessarily there yeah. our industry is most likely full of neurodivergent people so I, I wanted people to like recognise that sort of like yeah. creativity that was coming through as well yeah and it is it is so creative it, like a lot you know I think one uh, someone else in the documentary was talking about how and I've forgotten the name but they were talking about how like you know that her her workforce and herself and the people that she was employing like they're almost like kind of she's found that it's improving it's improving the workload as well because like, mm. these people are more resilient they're sort of more creative etc they have like a different outlook and that's you know why wouldn't you want that in your industry anyway yeah, it's like a big win definitely like, definitely like a, yeah the sort of MD of a really successful company who's, who I've actually worked for and mm. can still say they were hands down the, the best production company I've ever worked for because they were just they did things differently basically you know and they, they really supported each other like rather yeah. than it being that kind of like every man for themselves kind of terrifying environment of fast paced mm. commercial production it was like a real nice big kind of family vibe where everybody helped each other out and that always stood out to me so it's no surprise at all to you know to find out that, that they are kind of doing that because they always were quite progressive and yes yeah, Sarah is, is dyslexic and her colleague is mm. seeking a diagnosis for ADHD and they have kids that also have you know diagnosis so yeah I of course it's a positive thing it's just and it also mm. nothing to be I think people are just sort of like scared to talk about things they don't know about or or they have these really sort of you know a bit like even I think I know absolutely everything <laughs> but um but when you know I really delved into the topic I was like and the more people I spoke to I was like oh wow like I really thought you know, I really did think that like all autistic people struggled with this, or I really did think mm. all dyslexic people struggled with this, and it's just not the case at all. So that really opened my mind up to just how much of a variance of experience people can have and the way that it can and to just yeah once again take everybody as they come and kind of learn from yeah. them about what you know, who they are and what they need. Yeah, and I think the other thing that stood out about the documentary was the range of people on it mm. from so many different like 
jobs in the industry from a lot of people that are quite you know very successful as well yeah and people that are a lot younger and are coming in and how they'd approach things up so it's a as well as being a celebration it's also like a good reflection of how sort of diverse the industry is becoming which is a, is a very exciting yeah. thing oh i mean we were totally inundated with with applications of people and i would have included a lot more if i could have i mean especially because i really hate saying no to people so every day that applied i wanted to be like yeah come on and then they were like eventually they were like we're, we're pushing like 20 interviews here Hannah mm. for this like and I wanted it to be shorter than it was the film because you know I believe attention span is probably an issue for quite a lot yeah. especially in time poor industry however I was overruled but um so it's a bit longer but we've had a great response to it and I think from you know sort of we have like a test audience and they've been mm. they've been brilliant because I I think that was a big thing that was probably a big challenge and something that was kind of weighing on my mind was the more I learned about how different everybody's experience was, was like, how am I going to possibly represent all of these people and all of the different experiences and the sort of different range of roles in the industry and how is this going to speak to kind of everybody? And yeah. of course you can't speak to everybody, but I really, like, that's why we, we had, like, a really great researcher on board and who had a brief to basically just, like, cast the net really widely and... and gather up these experiences and then and then I sort of had second calls with the cream of the crop like yourself <laughs> no they were all brilliant but we just yeah it was just kind of trying to get that balance of people and and mm. and yeah things that you you know like you said yourself in the film like people will say how do you edit scripts if you're dyslexic <laughs> like and and that's totally something that probably lots of people would think so it's, yeah. it's really interesting to sort of challenge that kind of particular stereotype mm. with your role you know so we found that a lot that there was people that were really kind of like surprising and doing doing great things and saying super interesting things it was just like it got me really excited speaking with them so yeah, yeah I'm really happy with I think, everyone yeah no, and just on that that particular point but I think another thing the documentary has given me is like I feel like I'm challenging I'm calling people out more now when they say little things to me and it's like even friends they don't mean any harm and I'm like well actually you know what it's actually not my fault so maybe re you reassess your reaction to that and yeah. then it's like oh okay yeah and I mean so that's like you know and, and obviously there'll be a certain section of society that'll be like oh it's gone too far all this woke business <laughs> but you know people like you know shall we say <laughs> I don't know like a quotation mark normal people or whatever you want to call it you know heteronormative kind of have had things like essentially, hmm. you know, their way because they've not really ever had to come up across against discrimination in any way for such a long time. And it's like, actually, yeah. like, no, like, you're, you know, this is not the world we live in anymore. And, you know, actually, you need to change. Like, I don't need to change kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's super important and definitely something I want to contribute to before, like, I have kids and raise them because, like, I don't want my kids bullied for some, you know, no, shit. It's not their fault. It's just, like... It's not cool, and, and definitely lack of confidence has been the biggest thing that's held me back in my life. So, yeah. you know, I think, yeah, people just, like, aye, I'm not going to be putting up with any of that. I'm putting mum down at the school gates. <laughs> I know, like, yeah. Enough of that all now. Enough of it all. I know. The confidence thing's interesting as well, because that's a big part of the documentary, because like, mm. a lot of people were talking about how at school, or you know, they'd internalised growing up in things that they, you know, they are not good enough, or that they're bad at things, and mm -hmm. that's like the, you know, a massive for me, huge thing. Mm. Lot you just said, you know, my confidence has always held me back. It's only in the last two or three years, as I've, you know, 
gone out and done more and more things that I'm like no I can do all this stuff and mm-hmm. you sort of give give yourself a little bit of belief but mm-hmm. the amount of people in that documentary that you know have doubted themselves in the past it's such a shame yeah. and you know it's great that they're proving that all wrong now by sort yeah. of working in the industry but like I'm sure there'll be so many people watching that that are like oh god like I never I hope so I really yeah. hope so like I hope a lot of people will watch it and kind of see something of their own kind of journey and just realise that you're allowed to speak about these things in fact you know it's the law actually <laughs> in many cases to you know for people to to accommodate like neurodivergence in the workplace but other disability mental health as well so yeah and the more that it happens the more that that becomes the norm and like what a nicer world to live in you know it was like quite nice during covid when there was that sort of like real period of compassion for for each other very quickly it was just yeah, like very that's done we hate we're all like we're back into making a lot of money and working you to the bone <laughs> but um no i really want to again yeah contribute to a world where that's kind of the the norm because i know what it's like to exist in the kind of harsher and it's not particularly fun and if it doesn't need to be that way then it shouldn't be mm-hmm. just sort of like thinking about the documentary and like what you're sort of what are your ambitions with it like what what do you and the team what are like what's the plan with it like where Jeez, can people see it, etc.? Well, I really hope it's going to it's going to be seen widely in the industry. It will be hosted on online eventually, I believe, after some industry screenings, which will be kind of announced. But I, I want it to be seen, you know, by employers, but also by you know, freelancers, employees, so that they can start having these conversations in the workplace to hopefully change what can be quite an exploitative industry, and that's certainly yeah. not across the board. There's lots of efforts to to move in the right direction by lots of good people. But I really I really hope, yeah, that, and just as you said, that someone sort of sees it and recognises themselves or a family member even just allows them to have that conversation, mm. them to understand something a little bit about themselves and to just, yeah, kind of have that confidence and know that and see, like, all of those people that, you know, with the right set of circumstances, you can actually do really, really well in the industry because the industry does need good people, you know. There's, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. A lot of people that get there not on their own merit and end up not great so it's like you want to kind of champion and I've loved it I've loved so the folk that have seen it in the test audience and who who are neurodivergent or, or and or contacts of were like there was just conversations happening afterwards were really mm. brilliant like really open like just talking for ages and I want to see that too I want to see it difference just in general just talked about as a normal thing accepted as a normal thing and and for that to be more widely the I cannot believe this dog, like, a full tub of peanut butter and she's she's moaning at us again. She never does this. I'm going <laughs> to, when I get out of here, I'm going <laughs> to... She's going to make some very nice B-roll, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Little Kelly. So, yeah, I, I really, that's my hope for it. I never, I don't really have nowadays massive, massive, you know, unrealistic expectations. Like, obviously I want every one of my films to be seen by, like, hundreds of thousands of people mm. and to really change opinions. But the reality is I'm still making films at you know yeah. the kind of lower end of the budget and it's it's quite hard to cut through and to really to get out there to like yeah. you know like say a UK wide audience but my, my ambitions eventually is to keep working towards career and platform where I can yeah. do that and this for me is all still learning all the time learn on every film so I, I really just want yeah people to see it and people to talk about it and you know what, like, and I know it sounds corny, but if it can change, like, one, you know, like, if there's one mm. conversation and somebody feels better about themselves, then I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. 
for okay. no for sure though and like I've, again like the BAFTA Guru event which they showed some clips from the film I know you weren't able to make that one but I was in the audience for it and it was like a, it was like a sold out room of people that were there and again the conversations happened afterwards so yeah. you know that's already like there's definitely more than one person that's already been affected so absolutely no like and it's it's exciting because I think the fact that that was sold out like it just shows the, the interest in it from more people that want to um, understand like themselves or understand each other is super super encouraging and and yeah I mean it's it is as simple as sort of one person sort of starting the conversation and then that just has mm. that ripple effect and I would absolutely love like you know I, I still think it's just a kind of like all kind of rights to be honest it's kind of a hard fought one hard mm. fought hard one thing you know you like you'll make a little bit of progress and then you'll have massive amounts of then somebody will completely ruin it or yeah. <laughs> but I think as long as you are still contributing to moving in the right direction then it's pretty much all I can do like it's Sure. I feel helpless a lot of the time, but I, I, I just that's all I try to do. Yeah, and and before I go on to talk about not your average family, your other documentary, like what is the, your biggest takeaway and learning from just making this one and working on it? I think it's made me even more tolerant again as a person because now, if I ever find myself kind of getting frustrated with say the sort of the way somebody communicates with me at the work at work at the work <laughs> at work because maybe it's induced some anxiety in me so they've said oh blah 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 or they've sent me a big long voice note instead of sending me like a, a you know an email which I find more kind of calming because I can read it at <laughs> my own time things like that like one I don't go straight to kind of frustration and thinking like oh I kind of think yeah. well actually maybe you know maybe their social cues aren't the same as mine and maybe <laughs> this is why so just showing more understanding and communicating with with other people and that in turn also just making sure I check like working differently was a really really healthy working process because because we all knew the kind of job that we were on, we would all be constantly like checking in with each other or, or like the researcher might say, oh guys, I really don't think I can come into the office today. I want to work at home. Is that cool? Mm. And everybody would be like, absolutely, that's fine. And the whole thing just went so smoothly because of that, because everybody was just really considerate of each other's needs. So I'm going to be starting a production company this year. Very exciting. So I, I want to take all those principles into my working life and make sure I'm treating, you know, people that I work with in that way and incorporating those values into yeah and then hopefully pass that on and have other people do the same so by 2040 we won't have any <laughs> <laughs> well it'll probably all be AI by then anyway yeah exactly so none of us will it'll, it'll be very unintolerant none of us will be needed <laughs> Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated and, I mean, there's lots of podcasts, we all love podcasts, but it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast, 
please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Well, let's talk about your your next documentary or the other one, which I know you kind of probably been working on for a lot longer because that was like well back in twenty twenty two. You started filming this one, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so I was filming for a year and it was in development before that, and there was like a little break period too. So, all in all, from sort of like first pitch, it was about two years um, to to delivery. Um, which is the longest I've worked on anything. So, yeah, it's a series for BBC Scotland called Not Your Average Family. It's on the iPlayer now. And it's about Charlie Allen and Lauren Faulkner. So they're a couple from Edinburgh who I made a documentary about in 2019 during lockdown, which was, like, my first sort of uh, opportunity outside of, like, my own film. So I made a graduation film and I'd made a short film and they both got shown on the BBC and I'd been really lucky to kind of have the BBC acquire them. Mm. So this was the first time like the BBC kind of approached me and said, we've got this thing like from scratch, would you want to direct it? So I was shitting myself, to be honest, for one of a paraphrase, and, but just, you know, said yes, like kind of had that thing in my head of like, fortune favours the brave, like say yes <laughs> and then work it out and made the doc with them, which at the time, yeah, did really well, like had a, a big sort of, created like quite a lot of conversation online, particularly about Lauren's mental health, because she lives... Mm with emetophobia, which is a fear of vomiting, and OCD. So she has kind of compulsions which cause her to, and they're, they're wrapped up in her fear of sickness. So for instance, she eats like extra strong mints all day, every day, because she, you know, because there's a theory mm. that peppermint stops you from feeling sick, but that's caused her to lose most of her teeth. And her partner, Charlie, is transgender, and they're trying to have a baby together. So there's lots going on in their lives. They're also trying to open an inclusive business kind of for for people who I suppose are like them you know maybe more on the fringes of society and don't feel welcome in your mainstream kind of places or don't feel safe there so yeah I was following that journey to have a family to open a business and yeah as you can imagine with like something that's such massive life events and something that's quite complex for an LGBTQ couple things did not go to plan so I was there for the kind of up and downs but it also meant that you know in documentary terms we had to kind of be constantly revising well, mm. where the story was going where the story ended but I'm really proud of where we got to I think it was not the series that we initially thought we were going to make but I, I really I'm proud of it and I, I think yeah they are just sort of two kind of quite funny approachable people who take you through those kind of big themes in a really sort of accessible way so yeah I've, I've, I've only seen it. I've sort of seen some of the, a lot of the clips from it mm-hmm. and I'm excited to watch but they seem like such a joyous couple and like really quite lovely people and I think that I think in all of your work that sort of humorous tone is there as well yeah definitely humor is something that I always I think it's just really important to me like in the hardest moments of my life I always kind of need to find something to laugh about so I definitely like kind of picking mm. that up on other people and like sort of giving the audience like a bit of relief I suppose from 
what can be more serious subjects. And yeah, they are, they're, they're great. Like, I mean, when I first got approached about the documentary, the first one, I was really kind of cagey because I thought, oh, this sounds like loaded, you know, like there's loads going on here yeah. and it's quite young people who could be quite vulnerable and do I really want to take this on and what if I get mm. it wrong? And, you know, all those kind of self-doubt that swirls around with that stuff because, yeah, the internet is a pretty unforgiving place now. And But... Then you meet them and you're like, oh, no, they're just normal human beings who have a, you know, who I completely agree with on their morals, basically. So I find then find it quite quite easy to step into that yeah. and sort of, I guess it's just if I find it interesting or if I find it funny or if my brother, who's my editor, finds that, then, you know, you've got a good indication that maybe other people will as well. So that's kind of how we go about, yeah, making the final thing, I suppose. Yeah, just on that ethics sort of question, mm. and I mean, this must be something that I've talked about a lot in documentary, which isn't a world I'm, I'm as involved in, really, or know as much about, but like, how do you make that decision as, like, the director when you go in to, like, make a show like this? Like, how do you sort of think, is this ethical? Am I representing these people in the in the fairest way, etc.? I think it's communication, for a start, is probably like the, the cornerstone of, of good ethics, like making sure that you're talking to people, you know, picking up on if they're not happy about something or if something's made them uncomfortable or, mm. you know, because when you spend that amount of time with each other, it's almost inevitable. It's going to, like, sometimes your, your relationship's going to be great and sometimes it might be more fraught, especially if you want to film things that are really difficult, you know? I think like people, that's what I do, but it's also, I think when you're actually in the situation with a camera, it's still mm. a really hard thing to ask somebody like, film this, like, and you're like, they're kind of going through it, but then also kind of being like, well, how's this being portrayed? And will this be on TV? Like, you know, like, so it's a really tough thing to do. And I think I never disrespect, I never undervalue the importance of that, I suppose, that this person mm. is putting themselves naturally, whether they're, they're actually, you know, kind of the strongest person in the world or a really vulnerable person, like, they are putting themselves in a position of vulnerability by allowing you to record their lives and then take that away and, and kind of make something of it. Yeah. So it's just like talking to people, like using intuition and also, you know, I still need to face that person at the end of the day. If they see it, it's it's my name on it and I never want somebody to feel like I've, like, you know, done them mm. a disservice. Like I want them to feel that I've fairly represented them. So those are the kind of decisions that that come into the edit like and when when it, the decision is to maybe include something which is a bit more difficult it's kind of like the question there is well like who could this benefit you know what is this for like what mm. you know is there a bigger issue at play here that people seeing this could find some sort of you know understand but but no if you're just kind of doing it because it's like sensationalist then that's not really a good enough reason you know so yeah. I think it's just like constantly asking myself those questions but it does keep me up at night definitely like I think it's yeah, something I really worry about is like what if somebody feels that I, I didn't because I we're all fallible human beings but I think I need to be satisfied and, and then I suppose my nearest and dearest if I mm. you know my brother's my editor so it's like I ask him I ask other people's opinions I ask the producer if, if what they think about it and you kind of you can kind of sense check it as well and, and get an idea rather than just yeah. like you don't need to make all these big decisions on your own as well but yeah I, I like with great difficulty, I would say, is how. <laughs> and what, what was the sort of process for this one? Like, because you're obviously were following around for big life events, like. I know they obviously went to that big conference in like um, was it Birmingham or something? Yeah. It was like the, one of the uh, bits I've watched and mm -hmm. stuff like. So you're just like going around with them in different parts of yeah, their life and stuff. Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of like you have a sort of a, a rough. So when you pitch a documentary, you do need to pitch what the story will be or what you think it will be. So you kind of need to have your beginning, middle, and end. Like here's yeah. what will happen. Then this will happen. Then this will happen. 
and you know that it's kind of like pie in the sky especially for something like starting a family like we have no idea yeah. you know whether this is going to end in a pregnancy test or whether it's going to end in infertility or whether we, you really don't mm. know but you kind of make your your best case or and then you also just keep an eye on what is naturally happening in life you have conversations you know like weekly check-ins or yeah. fortnightly check-ins to sort of see what's happening and then to kind of consider whether this is important in terms of the themes that you're trying to, to tell and I was really interested in yeah like following Charlie and Lauren around not just on that journey but just them being young like really unapologetically like living the lives that they want to live in a world which is a bit you know small-minded at the best of times and I found that really inspiring so like anything that they were doing like you know mm. oh we love this sex shop in Glasgow and I'm like cool let's go and film at the sex shop and I'm like I'm like wow this is like you know I'm like <laughs> 10 years older than, than them and like learning <laughs> things for the first time and that's but it's fascinating to me because again it's a, it's a confidence thing I think it's like oh, I never had the confidence in youth to do something like this like I would have been you know like oh my god like I hope nobody sees me here yeah. you know like whereas it's like yeah like you, you don't need to have that level of sort of self crippling self doubt you know you can just like go do whatever you want respectfully and like live the life you want to live and like sexuality as well like I think you know how many people sort of don't get to do that because they're living by somebody else's rules yeah. like for too long so yeah I was really interested in that too so it's just basically like yeah keeping on, on top of anything big that was happening just making sure that I was there and I'm pretty much in terms of the camera like a one woman band it's just camera with the sound equipment straight into the camera and then I have like a brilliant little studio something a brilliant assistant slash researcher who was with me on talent as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Cosplay it's a similar is, setup, yeah. Yeah, who's like just really good, you know, knows the camera a wee bit, so can kind of like jump in, but also just very personable, you know, with people and they like yeah. it. So so we he sometimes would shoot when I couldn't shoot and things like that. So yeah, it was that's how it all kind of works. And it was actually for the most part quite chill because when you're filming over that amount of time it wasn't like it was every single yeah. day it was occasional and then but there's a whole process around that of like obviously setting setting up getting permissions you know putting proper support in place if, if it was something like you know kind of difficult and then watching your rushes and making notes and okay how is this going to fit into our wider story and so yeah you're just kind of but it's it's a nice way to and have, and have you had their feedback on have they like watched the documentaries yeah we had them in to watch it and they loved it which was really nice really nice they've been yeah and, and Lauren's mum came in as well to watch it she's in the documentary and so is Charlie's dad yeah like lots of tears and laughter which mm. is always a, a good sign and really nice responses from, from people in the community and, and yeah so it seems to be going well which is good yeah and it's also really kind of really nice to see like things like OCD as well like represented on the screen too yeah that was the amazing thing, like, in the first documentary, like, over where there was one little clip that the BBC posted from it that kind of covered some of Lauren's mental health story and then it covered some of Charlie's transition story. And, like, overwhelmingly, like, there was, like, 5,000 comments on it or something, like, millions of views, mm. and people were all, like, talking about emetophobia because, like, a lot of people had it but didn't know yeah, it had a name. Yeah. So it's that thing, again, of just, like, recognition and representation on the TV of something that doesn't normally get, yeah. get that kind of... Or, or it's, like it's shown in a really kind of like OCD equals this yeah, kind of yeah, thing yeah. when it's obviously it equals lots of different things for lots of different people. So yeah, I enjoy that when it kind of sparks more awareness of things that people don't yeah don't know about. 
and again it feels like a celebration of their life is, is mm-hmm. not just like oh these people are different look you know it's like the, it's a celebration no it's like they're really just like not yeah. like they're just like normal people living a normal life and I'm kind of there to pick it up except that they you know it's called not your average because I suppose they, they aren't living you know your sort of stereo like your your Mm. Again, quote unquote normal life, but it's fascinating. But they're just completely like, as you'll see in the film, it's people try to live their life the same yeah. as everybody else is, kind of thing. So, and I think that's what I was really keen. Yeah, again, it's not about kind of like, look at this and look at this. It's like, it's more about like gently inviting people into a world and then them seeing for themselves and educating themselves that way rather than like forming their opinion on trans people, for instance, from like the media, you know, which is just like presenting all of these kind of ridiculous like kind of one-sided like views and you watch something like that and you're like okay that's not what it's about at all this is just like you know that's just so far away from normal people's experiences it's also nice because again to have such a positive representation of on screen as well especially at a time where like it's just such a bizarrely politicized issue as well at the moment and i I mean i say issue like it doesn't even need it's not an issue i know it's become like it's it's not even become about the people anymore it's just become about it's yeah it's grown arms and legs and these were already these arguments have already like flared up before like you know even within the 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 trans rights debate because like trans people have been able to use the bathroom that they want to use under the Equality Act for years but like people had an issue with it back then and now they're they're re-bringing the issue up now around Mm. recognition reform as if like a piece of paper is going to stop somebody from you know it's like these people can and will abuse situations and they do but those are kind of like you know not to be held up as representative of of, yeah like again that the problem there is abusive men it's not trans people so well the same argument was always applied with benefits and stuff it's like well one you know some people will scam them and it's like yeah but if yeah. it helps a million people yeah it's better that you know it kind of outweighs the one person abusing yeah, the system obviously exactly. that's not good either but exactly like, one but then, person you know and if you want to play that game you can be like oh well like what about all of the you know the, the trans kids that might take their lives because they can yeah. you know like but but no nobody's talking about that kind of level of safety they're only talking yeah. it's just it, it's such a shame and it's it's just it's, again, it's based on a lack of understanding and really mm. based on a deep-seated fear of something that you don't yeah, know about. For sure. And and from the media point of view, it's, it's scapegoating, I believe, to distract us all from yeah. what's really going on. And you experienced this a little bit, didn't you? Because in one of the comment sections on the BBC, I remember seeing on your Instagram a few weeks ago, you were like, what is this? Like, can we get some positive comments here, please? Yeah. it was, like, terrible. Well, it was really upset. Like, yeah, because the BBC posted some social media clips and then people are... There's lots of really lovely positive comments, but there's... On that particular clip, which was Charlie and his trans friend there was a lot of transphobic comments and and a lot of really kind of yeah just small-minded mean things and uh, I'm not even going to give an example of course but the thing is is that you know that's really upsetting because for the you know representation is hard to come by and then good representation is even harder to come by or fair representation for the trans Mm. community is harder to come by and then you get some and people see that and they're like oh amazing like like somebody like me or somebody like my son or somebody like my daughters and then they read that and they're like oh you know because it's like there's a woman in the documentary and it's in episode three she's got a trans daughter and she said we just got like her daughter's been transitioning for four years and she's like just got to the stage where she could actually leave the house without mm. being scared and now all this stuff in the media has like put her back inside and she's like agoraphobic because she's yeah. terrified that somebody's going to shout something about her being a trans mm. woman and it's like that that is so and there's another scene where Zach's talking about how he can't doesn't feel he can date because he doesn't want to let you know women to 
to question what that means for them. And it's just like, can't just live like the life that a normal 20 year old, you know, like, yeah. is that not shit enough for people that they have to go through that without, on top of that, people yeah. who know nothing about them or their lives have decided to comment on how disgusting it is or how unnecessary it is. And it's just yeah. like, you don't know anything about it. Like, and again, it comes back to that thing of like, if you don't know anything, like, I, I see things I don't understand all the time. I see behavior I don't understand. I see views I don't understand. My instant thing is to like try and understand where it's come from before I like, you know, go down somebody's throat about it. Like yeah. it's, it's just at least make an effort to educate yourself because if you don't, then what you're basically saying is just like, I'm better, I'm better. Yeah, and, like, and we're all capable of being prejudiced sometimes and you know eat. it's hard because you always catch yourself like oh why why do I, why am i reacting that way in my mm. head to like this situation but like unfortunately i think a lot of people aren't probably aren't actually even able to just have that like second of just and it's the frustrating yeah yeah i know which is scary because it's like yeah. you like to i think there is definitely a dark side to humanity and there's definitely a part of humanity that likes to tear each other yeah. down but yeah and i don't know if that'll ever go away i think it's i think it's mostly driven by kind of unhappiness and yeah. fear but I just I just wish people would not you know pile more hate on on marginalized groups that are already kind of like mm. having a tough enough time as it is it's like I think you know the hope is with both documentaries which are you know because they're kind of they're talking about marginalized groups in different ways which is again a kind of an interesting theme that both your documentaries are sort of dealing with that but like I, the hope is that it just becomes again an annoying word but it becomes normal because you know the more people see things like this on, on screen and understand it then the hope is that we just don't question these things. They're just all, you know, everyone's just doing their own thing and yeah, it's all good. exactly. And and people can kind of coexist with, like, some form of harmony. And, yeah. you know, otherwise, really, what what's the point? It's like we're all bored <laughs> onto this earth and then we just, like, spend the whole time shouting at each other and then and then we die. <laughs> so I mean, if we can be a bit nicer to people while they're here, make life, you know, just yeah. try and come at it with more understanding, then I think that we're in a good place. For sure. I've got a few more questions before mm-hmm. I start to wrap things up, but I know you touched about anxiety earlier, but I had a sort of question for you, which I've been asking a lot more people on the podcast, because I think as creative people, we don't always think about health and, and like looking after ourselves. I don't know what, for whatever reason, there's certain jobs and careers where people are, that's quite a big conversation, mm. but in the creative industries, it's kind of like, I need to work really hard and stay up late to edit this thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's almost become a badge of honor. But like, what do you do to sort of stay healthy, like physically and mentally mm-hmm. as a creative? I mean, I've only really started to, to address that in recent years, probably because my stress levels were kind of getting un, unmanageable again. But I I started kind of doing exercise. So I got into climbing mm. a neighbour. At first, it was kind of like me trying to get other people to, to encourage me to do good things. So like my yeah. neighbor, if I saw my neighbour was kind of active, I'd be like, oh, I'll go with you one time kind of thing. And my friend, other friend's a yoga teacher. So I'd show up at her yoga and kind of do it. And I've, I've just now got a personal trainer and this is like I mean this is the sort of thing that I would sit and listen to your podcast and roll my eyes at if somebody else was saying it I'd be like (laughs) no tell me the tell me the easy route to keeping healthy but like it's incredible like I'm I'm definitely you know I've I've many vices I'm not I'm not in the least bit like shouting that I'm super healthy but I that whole process has has made me feel physically Mm. and mentally stronger like the back pain with the camera has sort of disappeared since I've kind of done that combination of stuff. Me yeah. feeling stronger, like, gives me a lot more kind of confidence to, to like, kind of hold yeah. my own in a situation where I actually feel kind of physically sturdier. So I do all of that stuff. Like, I, I vent a lot to friends. Like, you know, I talk to my friends pretty much every day, just about, yeah. even if it's messages, which 
know, it's probably not good being on my phone that minute, but I, I love to, like, again, like, laugh with my friends yeah. or just have a little... She's been very well behaved. I know, suddenly as we're about to wrap up, the dog's mm. gone completely silent. Hang out with the greyhounds, like that's, I definitely didn't mean to get a dog, but being a filmmaker, because I'm like, why would you get a dog when you're a filmmaker? Like you're everywhere all, all at once, but she's been brilliant. Like she's such a good dog usually, and apart from tonight. And yeah, she's been super cathartic for me as well. So mm. those things But there's a really calming presence. I can't even explain it. And I mean, I don't have a dog, sadly. I would love to get a dog at some point and maybe when a bit more time in the future. Um, I know they're, so, they're lovely dogs, but Kelly's sort of been here on the floor really still. Mm. It's, I feel, I feel, I don't know why, but I feel much more relaxed yeah, for this really part of the injury. I feel like less fidgety yeah. in the last 15 minutes, and it's a strange. I mean, greyhounds are actually used as therapy dogs because they are. I mean, yeah, when they're being chill, like there's just something about their their presence mm. that's very. And I, yeah, like she she even just looking at her like can mm. regulate my breathing sometimes. So yeah, all that stuff is is good. Yeah. And rest. No. I think it's I think it's good to talk about though because it generally is a weird thing where like it just isn't talked about in creative circles enough. Yeah, I know, and it's funny because like I do try and talk about like be open about it because again it's helped me when I hear other people be mm. open about it and you're kind of like oh good that's it's not just me and but there's a whole other you know like contingent of people that are like oh it's like my my gran was saying the other week this oh we never used to have mental health maddies so everybody's <laughs> just talking about it now so everybody thinks they've got it and then like shortly after told me that our sister who's fine because they no longer speak was like hospitalized for for mental health problems when she was younger so i'm like so we did have it in your day you just didn't talk about it <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm fine to be you know to wear my heart in my sleeve and as much as that will make some people be like oh yeah. go shut up about it it's like well i do struggle you know like but i i hang on for like the really good times and i think you know increasingly i'm at those are kind of extending the more kind of mm. like the more i come into my own so definitely encourage other people to to keep seeking that because it does come for sure for sure no thank you for that answer and then you touched on it earlier as well you're gonna you're making a production company later this year but what what are the future plans like now that these two documentaries are sort of pretty yeah. much finished well the future plans so i'm i'm going to be developing a feature film that i've been thinking about Very for exciting. a little while so i'm right at the beginning of like the research stage but i've got I'm meeting this week and I've got, um, I've just been accepted onto the Directors UK Inspire Mentorship Programme. So it's like I'll be mentored for a year Mm. to get that off the ground. And then I hope to do more, you know, TV and more short form projects. But yeah, as I said, like I want as much as possible to kind of try and keep it real with the projects and do things about things I care about. And and I really, really would love to, I've really enjoyed the kind of like the the times I've mentored others or sort of just like done little workshops for little pictures or uh, uni courses and, and I I really like kind of like it excites me to sort of help other people it's a lovely feeling isn't it like giving, yeah. kind of getting to give yeah. back and stuff I, I, lo- I quite a lot of people don't enjoy it but I actually really love going into unis and stuff like, I, I think love it's it. so enjoyable yeah I love it's it as long as they don't get like immediately <laughs> much better than me and like leave me in their, their dust I'm like I want I want credit for all of it no I'm kidding but I do love it because like when I was like des- you know desperate to be a journalist first of all then mm. desperate to be a filmmaker and there were so many closed doors, there were so many people that just weren't really willing to yeah. give you their secrets or tell you. And I mean, that's such a, that's not sustainable anyway, because if somebody's determined, they're, they're going to find their path, you know? So yeah. it's like, like, why don't you be remembered as one of the people who can help them on their way? And it's been amazing, like, because I always, I do when I see a filmmaker do well, and they're kind of like, oh, do you know what? Like, it really helped me when you told me that. I'm like, that's so cool, like, because I know the people that did that for me. So I want to do that with the, the company as well, and hopefully, yeah, like, bring on some filmmakers that are, that are good and help to kind of 
move them in, in the right direction so they can go fly and tell their own stories and yeah I don't have massive like you know aspirations to like take over the world of LA or anything like that it's never been me and I don't think that I could kind of multitask on that level but as, as long as I can kind of continue to make films continue to, to get them seen then I'll do that for as long as I can for sure and just because we mentioned this in the last podcast but like do you think you'll ever make that frightened rabbit documentary ha <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know I think that maybe other people other people <laughs> might uh, might be interested in making it as well so I I don't I, I don't know I haven't really explored it too much do you know what I think it's it's been an incredibly difficult thing to, to do actually and and that's definitely something that I like with the feature which is I'm not sort of see yet what it is but mm. part of me is like I'm so fired up to do it but the other part of me is like yeah this is going to be hellish because you're like it's going to be really hard <laughs> you know <laughs> but I really want to do it but yeah I, I think possibly not that but I think that whatever subjects I do take on and I fully expect that some of them will be really difficult I'm really going to try and work in some level of kind mm. of you know mental health support not only for for me and the team but for the contributors as well because I think increasingly that's something that is overlooked in documentary, especially documentaries having this kind of big moment in the sun, and it's like, yeah, there was just a film out called Subject about kind of a bunch of subjects of big documentaries who had essentially been screwed yeah, over by the, the advert yeah, it's really, really good actually, yeah, and they're talking about it a lot kind of in the documentary field now as well about having some sort of psychological support while you mm. even make films, and I, I get it, like, it's kind of like one part of you is kind of like, well, yeah, well, where's the money for this coming from? Because there's no money for anything, so suddenly I've got a line in the budget. Yeah. But again, it's like, I guess a wee bit emboldened by working differently, it's like, you need to start making those changes for people to yeah. kind of start to take them on board. So if you push for that, you know, even if you push for it and you get some, like, you're yeah. moving things in the right direction. So whatever I, I do take on, um, I would definitely um, be looking to look after myself while I'm doing it no it's definitely very important I think it's also happening more in drama now there's more like an, there's an, an inclusion officer people there to like yeah. give support I know like because it happens to actors if they do a really difficult scene or yeah. you know crew watching it it can be quite effective it can traumatise them I know I know it's, it's incredible like we just don't and again you only don't think about it because it's not been the norm for us and we've just kind of yeah. been told it's been kind of like get on with it but there's so many people that feel uncomfortable like certain men at the top of their game will feel completely comfortable with those situations but there's so many people that don't or that could, it could turn them off that mm. you know it's just not a fair way to work and we're not all getting a fair crack at the whip so no. yeah I think that's super super important and I hope to see more of it definitely changing well last question for you and I know you asked this last time on the podcast but just to round off like do you have any like advice you would offer to any sort of budding documentary filmmakers that you maybe learned more in the last year and a half since your last yeah, appearance yeah of course I can't remember what I last said can you I can't remember I didn't finish the episode I got to like, <laughs> I got to like 50 minutes in before Stop you fast. <laughs> I mean don't give up for a, a start I think all my best advice and maybe it's the same advice I gave but before but my best advice is that you you need a couple of things for a good documentary a lot of people don't kind of understand that they just think like oh, I've got this idea I'm going to say make a documentary about supermarkets I'm just saying that because I can see a supermarket but like <laughs> That's not a documentary, you know, that's like a general, generic mm. kind of idea. It doesn't have like a thread, it doesn't have a character. So you need access to 
a good character or a set of characters who you've already started to form you know some relationship yeah. with and you can kind of like ask that question about following them you need a, a story essentially so a beginning a middle and, and an end and obviously real life is not like that but you need to decide like where you're coming into the mm. story and where you're leaving it and and what what conclusions you're drawing what what the points so that everything that you then film for the documentary like if it's not relevant to that particular story then yeah. then cut because it's a really hard process of like filming loads of content and then kind of be like ah like what do i do so it's like those are kind of basic principles that can like keep you on track and they sound so simple and you know they probably sound super super simple to you as a writer but i just didn't have i didn't have a film education so i really didn't know about those basic principles but I also mm. so I would just kind of be coming up with say ideas that were too big for the fund that I was applying for or too big for a 20 minute film which was the call so it's just kind of like being realistic and working within the parameters and also just collaborate like ask other people their opinions like editors are good at editing you can leave them with you know something and see what they do with it even if it's a yeah. first port of call to say oh, I don't like that can we make it like this like use the people around you don't try and do it all yourself because it, you'll just break eventually there's too much to do no, it was definitely a different answer to the Yay. first thing but thank you for that Hannah thank you very much for your time today and again thank you for sort of working differently I mean I got a lot out of it personally and you know it's great that you know it's, it's out in the world now and yeah no congrats thank on both docs thank you for taking part in working differently and thank you for having me and Kelly I know thank you to Kelly for being the, the first the dog to properly dog. appear on the podcast <laughs> Well, there you go. That was episode 113 of Just Get a Real Job with the wonderful Hannah Curry and her amazing dog, Kelly. Thank you for listening. As always, be sure to share this podcast if you enjoyed it or think it will make a difference to someone else. They might get some inspiration from it. Be sure to check out Hannah's work and films as well. And yeah, have a lovely week. Thank you again to Elliot for doing a wonderful job editing this episode. And yeah, we'll be back again next week with another brilliant episode. But until then, goodbye. Just get a real job